Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. This is season one, episode 10 of the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about sleep and the importance of sleep in relation to our overall health. Today's guest is Lily Salter. Lily's passion is to simplify the science around nutrition, to provide health hacks and smarter eating strategies to empower people to enjoy a healthy and successful lifestyle. Lily's specialities lie in the workplace wellness implementing nutrition and focused well-being programs within the corporate organizations across the UK and Lily has appeared on many of primetime uh, daytime TV programs providing health and nutrition tips. Hi Lily, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks for coming on to the show today. So, um before we kick off with uh, all of the questions, it would be really useful for the listeners if you could please kind of give uh, an introduction to yourself. Absolutely. So I guess I have always been in nutrition. It's I've always been in the industry and I got into nutrition because I really struggled with my skin. I okay. suffered from really bad psoriasis when I was a child and I went to every single sort of medical doctor that you could get in relation to skin health and really I've struggled and in those days there really wasn't many treatments around for psoriasis so I tried everything I tried a lot of alternative therapies and nothing was seemed to help and obviously as a skin condition it can be really quite not debilitating but it can really impact your sort of self-esteem so I was desperate and eventually I saw a nutritionist and she just discussed the role of diet in relation to skin health and it was really the first time I thought oh you know what I'm going to look at diet and strangely, when I made those changes to my diet, it was the first time that my psoriasis kind of went into remission. So you can't cure psoriasis, but it just didn't reappear. And it was amazing. And obviously, throughout my life, you know, I will get flare ups, but the dietary changes I made massively helped. And so from then on, I thought, wow, food can do this. It can be so powerful. So I trained at Newcastle University where I carried out a four-year food and human nutrition degree. And there was lots of research going on there. Um, It was very evidence-based, so it was very exciting. And then after that, I did a further two years doing um, nutritional therapy. And I'm just completing my MSc in nutritional medicine at Surrey University now and I see see clients really in Chelsea and from a medical practice in Notting Hill. And then I do a lot of, um, obviously, a big bulk of what I do is workplace wellness sessions. So I go into offices to discuss how to enhance energy, um, also touching on things like sleep, mood, brain power, all of these things and focusing on how diet, nutrition and food can enhance these areas of uh, people's lives in the workplace. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And I think the corporate wellness side of things, before we obviously go into the to the, the topic around sleep, is is very interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, the majority of people 
um, spend a large part of their life in in these offices, in these boxes, uh, working away on a daily basis. And you know, until now, no one's really thought about the wellness in the workplace. Yes, there's been kind of desktop assessments and how you sit at your desk and all the rest of it, but nobody's looked at it as a kind of a bigger picture. So what are the type of things that you kind of go into corporates and, and, and work on? So with nutrition, really, I think a big area would be energy. So obviously, the more energized we are, the more efficient we're going to be. And often people, I think, to create efficiency throughout their lives, they tend to forgo things like attention to good sleep, to uh, um, diet, to exercise, and all these areas actually are hindering our efficiency at work. So all of those things seem to go out the window. So I go in and I talk about simple strategies that people can implement, you know, because a lot of the people I speak to are very, very time poor and busy. So the strategies have to be um, relatively easy to implement to enhance energy. So we look at different types of foods. We look at things like their lunches, which is a really important area because so many people struggle with that post-lunch slump. Um, And then obviously things like immune function is an area we touch upon um, in relation to diet, because if we're overworked, um, we're not eating a healthy, well-rounded diet, we're lacking in sleep, you know, it, it really can affect our immune system and that leads to sick days. But obviously diet, you can cover so much, so many things with diet because obviously yeah. food fuels the body and brain. But then other practitioners will go into the workplace and it kind of has has this complementary approach in the sense that you will have psychologists maybe discussing sleep specifically or you have uh, people focusing on mindfulness or you have people focusing on exercise and all of that comes together and really can um, enhance uh, well-being and also just quality of life within the workplace. Yeah, I mean that that's that's very important and I think you know as you, as you touched on there, you know the, the the importance around the work environment specifically from a business perspective it is so important that the 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 employees, the staff, team members are all kind of following this kind of whole lifestyle because it does affect performance, it affects their overall performance not just in the workplace but in the home as well. So Talking about, you know, obviously sleep and and the lack of it and being overworked. Why do you think, obviously sleep is a fundamental part of our daily lives. We have to do it on a daily basis to repair um, our our bodies. But why do you think is it now that they're starting to become more of a focus around sleep? What do you think has changed? I guess people are really um, into their health and well-being now. It's really popular. I think uh, um, the wellness industry has definitely expanded and grown and people are more aware of the fact that uh, there's more books coming out, I think, around sleep and more awareness around the whole thing. But also I think as a country, we're, we're probably not sleeping as much as we used to, partly because we're trying to fit more into our day. But also people are getting really anxious. They are, you know, we're on social media, we've got emails coming in all the time. So it actually will hinder everything around sleep. So I think also you can notice people are, if you're sleep deprived, it's going to massively affect your performance the next day and um, just general well-being. And I think all of this is 
coming to light now. I don't think, I think years ago, obviously, we didn't have emails, we didn't have Instagram, we weren't bombarded with all this information. So we probably slept slightly better. And and, and now I think it's affecting so many people. True, true. Mm. No, I agree. I think our, our, the demands on our attention now are Mm. so great with these devices that we have in our hand and all the various different communication platforms that we use on a daily basis, you can very get very easily kind of get caught in a, in a tailspin, particularly at night as well, when you're deemed to be relaxing. But actually, if you're sitting on the sofa and you're going through all these platforms, you're actually not relaxing. It's probably, you know, getting you more kind of, I don't know, uh, kind of active brain wise than, than, than we used to. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the other thing is that it used to be seen in the workplace, specifically when I was in the corporate world, that the longer hours you work, the better you were at your job and all the rest of it. Whereas actually some, some um, research that I've read, you know, if you are sleep deprived, I think if uh, it's, you probably know this better than me, but if it's something like if you have a um, less than six hours sleep for, for two weeks, your actual cognitive function is equivalent to you being drunk or something like yeah, that is it? yeah no you're right and I think it will affect you know obviously it's going to affect your your performance at work so people think they're being more efficient but they're probably not but also yeah. it will affect relationships within the workplace because I think everyone can um, relate to the fact that when you're sleep deprived you're more irritable you know probably I, I know I'm definitely more irritable probably more tearful and my brain is not functioning as it really should be and I it it just can impact not only your work but also your relationships the way you eat so many areas of health so you know in a way I I with my personal sleep I have struggled with sleep in the past and my my opinion is get my solid you know sleep that I need for the day so I can actually function better and more efficiently rather than going through life totally sleep deprived trying to fit more stuff in but doing you know really a half-hearted job yeah definitely I think um yeah I think I definitely I definitely feel like the tables have turned to 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 actually get your you know seven to eight hours sleep in a night and you'll actually be more effective I've tried to implement that in my life and I've tried to follow my body clock. So I'm more effective in the morning. Uh, I'm less effective in the evening. So I go to bed earlier now than I used to, but I'm always trying to make sure that I get that, that seven to eight hours sleep a night. And it does, I feel like it makes a massive difference. If, if, you know, if I'm, if I've gone to an event, for example, and I've maybe only got five or six hours sleep, um, that night, the following day, I can really, really feel it, particularly in the morning, you know, you get this, this brain fog and, and that kind of thing goes on. Absolutely. And I, I agree. I tend to be more of a morning person. Um, so I, I just really have focused on making sure I get most of my work done in the morning. If I've got something really difficult to do, I try and get that done first thing because I know late at night my brain just stops yeah. and it's getting into bed earlier. So you can make the most of those peak hours of when you're most active. Yeah, absolutely. So if if we think about sleep and how it's linked to weight and fat loss, obviously there's an element of um, if you are sleep deprived, it induces more stress in your body. Mm-hmm. But how you know how is sleep linked to, to weight and fat loss? Because it w- wouldn't necessarily be an association that you would make, would it? 
Well, no, and it really is strongly correlated with um, a, an increased risk of a, a being obese or, or having weight gain. So there's definitely a link there. And um, some of the, you know, the mechanisms could be around appetite hormones. So there's been seen an increase in ghrelin, which is our appetite stimulant hormone, and a decrease in leptin, which is your kind of appetite suppressant hormone, when you are sleep deprived. So physically being sleep deprived can make us hungrier. Um, and then more research, there was actually an interesting um, systematic review and meta-analysis of looking at um, sleep deprivation. And what they saw was that people who are sleep deprived tend to consume around 385 more calories the next day when they're sleep deprived. So people tend to eat more. And then further research has also shown that, you know, cravings for things like quick fix foods or, or people tend to reach for foods such as sweet foods, salty foods um, and even starchy foods. And that increases by about 45 percent. So not only does it uh, sleep deprivation make you hungrier, you're also much more likely to make the wrong choices with food. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things people ask me in offices is how do I minimize all those sugar cravings that I get all day long? Right. People tend to reach for the, that sugar in the afternoon, which yeah. is fine. But, you know, the, obviously, there's lots of tactics and strategies you could, could think about. But I often go to sleep and I say, well, are you sleeping enough? Because if you're not, it's going to increase your cravings for these sorts of food. You're going to be your willpower is going to be down. You're going to be physically hungrier, and your body is almost primed to choose maybe the the, the wrong kind of kinds of food. So it's just something which I think can really impact our food choices. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely remember when I was in the corporate world, it, it's a typical scenario. If you've had a lack of sleep, you've worked late the, the, the previous day, you get up early in the morning, you get on the train, the first thing you do is you reach for a sugary, milky latte or whatever to have on the train. You, you know, you kind of get that boost and and then you think you're okay. Well, that's only going to last for a short period of time, isn't it, whilst you get that yeah. initial kind of boost and then you're going to you're going to crash again and then I think the other thing is it, it kind of manifests itself doesn't it because you're kind of constantly getting this peak and this trough and you're you know you're constantly going for these quick fixes which you don't realize are quick fixes but actually you know long term it's just a it's just you know snowballing isn't it absolutely so those kind of quick fix foods um can lead to blood sugar imbalances which right kind of almost like a blood sugar roller coaster throughout the day which as you were saying gives you bursts of energy but it doesn't give you sustained energy all day long and you're just having these highs and lows so focusing on foods uh, which provide a slow release of energy into the bloodstream is going to be actually really important at those times yeah. but it may not be what you're actually looking for or craving yeah so so what would you say particularly in the mornings then for that slow release kind of foods would, would be the, the types of things that would be most beneficial? 
So starting your day with a protein element in your diet could be important alongside complex fiber-rich carbohydrates. So interestingly, as a population, we actually consume most of our calories and even protein intake at the end of the day in our evening meal and moderate amounts at lunch and we consume the least in the morning which may not be the right way around of doing things and you know we know that research has shown that breakfast eaters tend to have better concentration memory mood all these things so making sure that you're having a breakfast which really balances blood sugar is going to be important and what protein does is it actually helps to slow the rate at which a carbohydrate will break down into sugar and it helps it release energy into the bloodstream slowly so to give you an example if you had a piece of toast it will break mm-hmm. down into sugar it's your carbohydrate and it will break down into sugar but if you combine that with protein rich egg for example that toast will break down into sugar at a slower rate or it will release its energy into the bloodstream more slowly the same as if you had i don't know a banana which is your carbohydrate that Mm -hmm. will break down to sugar but if you combine it with protein rich yogurt it will break down into sugar at a slower rate and you get a more steady drip fed release of energy into the bloodstream all day long So it's uh, thinking of those combinations. I mean, I personally love things like porridge um, and I mix in a few chia seeds with it, but that's a very slow release carbohydrate and making sure that whatever you're having for breakfast will have some fiber, a bit of protein is going to be absolutely key. And if we're starting our day with, you know, a sugary pastry or as you said, a sugary latte or whatever it is, that has very little protein, may have little fiber in, and it's something which will break down into sugar very, very quickly, and it will only give us a short burst of energy. So, so yeah, so that's that's really key. I actually didn't realize that protein did slow down the release of carbohydrates into, mm. into the muscles. That's, that's something that I've learned today. So, um, but interestingly, um, what I was going to say, and that, that's around when we're talking about these peaks and troughs, are we talking about obviously the blood sugar being raised and then it kind of crashing down again? See, that's going to be then linked to gaining weight as well, isn't it? Potentially, potentially. I guess really weight gain is about over an overconsumption of calories in relation to how much energy you're expending. And I guess if those foods are high calorie foods that you're having, that's not going to be a positive thing. It could potentially lead to weight gain in the indirect way. But really, overall, if we are sleep deprived, we tend to move less. We don't exercise as much. We tend to eat more, eat more of the wrong kind of foods. And really, that is what's going to really make us gain weight. Um And I think just as another side note, what's interesting is that when we are sleep deprived, what research has shown is that the next day our levels of this stress hormone cortisol are elevated and it shouldn't be really that elevated and it shouldn't stay elevated right throughout the day. So the levels of cortisol are higher than what they should be and they stay high right throughout up until the evening. And there's some research to show that cortisol or high levels of cortisol can 
be related to having a higher body weight or weight gain. And it can also signal for fat to be deposited around the middle. So it's a whole, so there is like a hormonal aspect there as well. And it's certainly not a healthy thing to be having like a, a chronic output of the stress hormone on a continuous basis. Yeah. Okay. I see. Mm. In terms of, um, people are actually going to sleep and getting to sleep you know you hear a lot of of people saying well you know I I can't I I struggle to sleep if I go to bed early at night or I have restless sleep and things like that what would you say in your opinion are the contributing factors to people not being able to sleep properly getting broken and restless sleep so I guess from a food perspective heavy meals before bed can disrupt sleep. So again, a lot of people I speak to in offices tend to get home at sort of eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night, and then they start cooking. And, you know, if they're eating maybe the wrong kinds of foods, if it's a very heavy meal, that's going to lead to poor quality sleep, and you wake up feeling really groggy. Alcohol consumption, although we know that it almost sedates us in a way, it does disrupt sleep, particularly um, during the second half of the night. And then what's more, obviously, things like caffeine is going to affect sleep as well. We all have different abilities to kind of metabolize caffeine. So you've got specific genes which, which determine how well you metabolize caffeine. So you've got fast metabolizers and you've got slow metabolizers. And this means that some people could drink a coffee before bed after dinner and be fine. But others, it would literally disrupt their sleep for the whole night. So I yeah. guess in that sense, it's really just trying to gauge does caffeine affect you? If you do struggle with sleep, you know, it's better to drink your caffeine earlier on in the day rather than after 12 where it could disrupt sleep because it does have, I think it's got a half-life of around five to six hours. So it will stay in your your system for quite a while. And I think that's one of the biggest changes I made. Um, when I was younger, I thought I loved caffeine. I was like, right, I need more energy. And actually yeah. I wasn't doing myself any justice by having having it in the afternoon and people don't always know what what is the recommended intake of caffeine and actually it's only around 400 milligrams per day and that equates to one uh venti or i don't know how you pronounce it but you know the large coffees at starbucks or it's uh four very small cups um but you know the the smallest size you can get in starbucks is around 180 milligrams so it's about half of our recommended intake and and some people are relying on that all day long so it's something just to bear in mind and i guess when it comes to lifestyle lifestyle factors obviously you've got the blue light which is coming from our phones our laptops and I think what it does is it doesn't just disrupt uh, our ability to sleep. I think it also disrupts the quality of sleep as well. And from a uh, personal sort of anecdotal area, I find exercise massively helpful for sleep. I really notice if I don't exercise, it does disrupt my sleep. So it's almost like tiring myself out. Yeah, but also yeah. exercising outside and the fresh air and the daylight, you know, helping us become aware, you know, that it's daylight and actually getting outside yeah. and knowing that at nighttime you're dimming the lights and then it helps to produce melatonin at night. 
But if we are sitting indoors all day long, particularly in the winter, and we're not seeing much of the daylight, that can have impacts on our circadian rhythm, which could affect sleep. Yeah, I think um, they're, they're very valid and interesting points. I think to the caffeine side of things, I know personally, if I have a coffee any time after 2 p.m. in the afternoon, I'm going to struggle to sleep in the evening. Um, the, the whole kind of blue light um, scenario that gets given off by our devices, you know, our phones and pa- uh, tablets and the rest of it, I've made a conscious decision, and I don't really know if this has, you know, improved my sleep but I make a conscious decision now to make sure that I'm off of that at least an hour before I go to bed mm. um, to improve that and um, yeah I think for, for, for me I, I mean I exercise quite a lot so yeah I, I tend to I think I have a, a reasonably good night's sleep but the other the very key point you made there is about actually getting outside um, and just taking in some fresh air uh, I, I I find that so so important just to kind of even just to kind of reset the day if you're in the middle of the day and you're kind of caught up and you're very very busy it's very easy for, for hours to just fly past if you're sitting at a desk and actually kind of putting a hard stop on your day and saying you know what I'm going to go out for 15-20 minutes just to get outside in the fresh air I think is very very important. Absolutely. And I think from a element of an energy perspective, so if you are feeling proud, people do rely on caffeine or they rely on those quick fix foods like sugar to give them a boost. But actually going outside and walking for a brisk five minute walk or a 10 minute walk can actually enhance your energy throughout the day. So it can boost our mood, it invigorates us, and it is a natural energy boost. So often, um, I know some companies who do things like walking meetings, uh, but also when you have that slump in the afternoon, getting out for five, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes could enhance energy, but also then it has those positive effects on the fact that you're getting out into the daylight so your body knows it's day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah rather than just going from a from a it's particularly in the winter like you're saying particularly in the winter you know you kind of go from a a dark commute into a dark office and then when you come out it's dark again so you unless you go out in the middle of the day you're not going to see any daylight at all which is um, really I think um, not ideal absolutely in terms of long-term effects of, of the lack of sleep what types of things have you come across or what have studies shown of the impacts of a of a long-term uh, effect if we if we're not sleeping enough well I guess obviously you've got the obesity issue and that in and of itself comes with a whole load of a whole host of problems but also heart disease so things like raised blood pressure or high blood pressure diabetes as well is really interesting there's definitely associations with um, sleep deprivation and an increased risk of diabetes and I think there's some been some controlled studies which have looked at subjects who have been sleep deprived for around six nights and the next day after they have been sleep deprived, they've almost had blood glucose levels of like a pre-diabetic. So it's only a temporary thing, but it it just shows you that it can impact our ability to deal with glucose and also it can impact um, insulin resistance as well. So there's definitely a strong correlation there. But I also think from a mental health perspective, there's a lot of people struggling with anxiety and maybe even depression as well and lack 
lack of sleep can definitely affect these mood disorders. It's obviously it's difficult to know which one comes first, whether it's the anxiety is causing issues with sleep or is the sleep affecting the anxiety, but it's likely to be an issue with both. But yeah. it's it just really, you know, long term, it can it's almost like a bit of a torture not being able to sleep, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and they do use that, don't they? In, yeah. In t- techniques so so absolutely yeah I think I think that's very important particularly around mental health and 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 there's been some great campaigns fairly recently to raise awareness about mental health particularly around men's mental health because it's it's been deemed in the past to kind of I guess to be seen as a weakness to talk out about you know you're struggling with mental health and anxiety and things like that um but yeah I think um you know you know stress it invokes stress and things like that having a a kind of long-term lack of sleep and I think motivation as well in our in our community one of the things that I regularly see is is people commenting on on the fact that they they that they lack motivation and and nine times out of ten I will ask them how much water are they drinking how much sleep are they getting and and invariably they are either getting um kind of a, a a broken sleep in terms of they're not having a routine of, of a sleep or you know they're not taking on enough water but yeah sleep is a is a is a common factor and it's often overlooked I feel absolutely no I completely agree and often people will want quick fixes in terms of how to how can they have more energy so when I do the talks they they may want a supplement or some kind of superfood which is going to give them like a going to change their lives but sometimes they're they're actually not sleeping and if they don't if they don't focus on their sleep that supplement or whatever superfood they they think is going to help probably won't have a huge impact unless they first of all get enough sleep and then focus on the other things so that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to give them energy and often they they miss that so yeah it's interesting isn't it because you know the the kind of default human response is to make it complicated and go through all like you say superfoods and supplements and all the rest of it and yeah all of that has its place but more often than not if you just boil this back down to kind of simple approaches you know when you when you say to someone well uh, you know how are you sleeping what are you sleeping it's almost like they dismiss it isn't it in some cases well of course I sleep you know I sleep, I have enough sleep or or the common one the other common one I hear particularly from men well I only need five hours sleep and I don't need eight hours sleep Absolutely. but actually if you if you look at your performance and your moods and your just general health you'll probably find you actually do need more than five hours sleep a night so so yeah, I think um, overcomplicating it, I think, is is um, is one. Absolutely, and I think people get used to a certain level of sleep, so they kind of get used to a. Um, they think that's the norm in in a way. Yeah. So if someone is relying on six hours sleep a night, you know, and they've been doing that for long periods of time, they may feel okay. This is the norm, and this is the way I, I function. But often people forget that actually having more sleep and focusing on things like nutrition and exercise, you you don't realize how great you can feel. Like you can feel so much better, and you can really reach your full potential. Um, and that's not always seen, but also so a lot of the uh, health issues internally aren't always obvious. So we can't see 
blood pressure we may not get symptoms of elevated blood pressure we may we can't always see if we are pre-diabetic or we've got issues with glucose and you know it's not always that obvious at at first and it kind of may be happening underneath it in your body without even realizing yeah and until it's too late right until you know till you have an illness you need to go and see a gp so so yeah so in terms of like simple key actions that the listeners could could take away today to make a, a positive change what what five key things would you do would you suggest that that um that people can do to to kind of either get more sleep improve their sleep um yeah Absolutely. So um, I think some of them will cover what we we have discussed. But I guess obviously, the first one is the caffeine side of things from a nutrition standpoint, is just being aware that, you know, we all have different abilities to metabolize caffeine, depending on your genes. So, you know, even if your friend is, is consuming caffeine, and is fine with sleep, and they say, No, it's not an issue. Well, it may not be the case for you. And what you could do is switch to some calming teas. So whilst yeah. the research, there still needs to be more research done on specific herbal teas, there is some evidence to suggest that they may aid with with sleep or with calming properties or reducing anxiety so you could look at things like valerian root um, lemon balm is the other one lavender chamomile and if you are thinking of using herbal teas generally what you could do is steep them for around 15 minutes to get the benefits if you are on any medication or you are have any health conditions it's important just to check that there's no contraindications there but it's something which is worth a try yeah so the next point i would say is do look at your evening meal so one area with this is Many people think, oh, gosh, you know, I shouldn't eat carbs at night because they're going to make me gain weight. Whereas actually that that isn't necessarily true. It's about the types of carbs that you're having, but also they may have a positive impact on sleep. So interestingly, tryptophan is something is part of a protein molecule. And tryptophan is really rich in things like chicken and turkey. So you may have heard that kind of saying turkey makes you sleepy. Um, But but you do find tryptophan in other protein rich foods like um, yogurt and uh, nuts, seeds, all these things. And tryptophan is the precursor to our sleep hormone melatonin. And when you combine tryptophan rich foods with certain carbohydrates or with carbohydrates, what happens is that tryptophan can be transported across the blood brain barrier to produce melatonin. So it's actually maybe a positive thing. And just making sure your evening meal is pretty balanced. So I generally give advice saying fill half your plate with vegetables, rainbow colored veg, quarter is your starchy carbohydrates so focusing on the whole grains or like the brown rice brown bread brown pasta or uh, potato with a skin on beans lentils chickpeas then the last quarter is your protein and fat so for example it could be chicken is your protein fat is avocado or it could be i don't know a salmon fillet which is protein and fat but just making sure that your your evening meal isn't too heavy and maybe there is an element of carbohydrate in there which could aid with sleep 
Um, so the third point, obviously, I think I already mentioned, but it would be looking at alcohol. So if you really do struggle with sleep or it's the quality of your sleep is very poor and you wake up feeling groggy, just being yeah. mindful of how much you're consuming could enhance sleep. Yeah. Exercise is a crucial one. If you can get exercise outdoors, that's going to be even better. And then the the last area to focus on, number five, would be just the blue light, the laptops, the phone, all of those things. Again, even if you get to sleep fine, what it can do is affect the actual quality of the sleep. And you can end up waking up feeling pretty groggy. Yeah, so. That's perfect. Yeah, no, some five very simple things that people can take away and just be more aware of mm-hmm. uh, to improve their sleep. So before we wrap up, Lily, what uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you that uh, you feel I should have asked you that would, would benefit the listeners? Let me have a think. I think some areas where there isn't quite enough research on but could be of interest for some people yeah. because there probably is going to be more research coming out on this but I'm not sure whether you've heard of Montmorency tart cherry juice before at all. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't, no. no. So there is some research around this tart cherry juice because it's actually very rich in something called mel- well, melatonin, the sleep hormone, yeah. which is quite interesting. And there has been research uh, conducted consuming tart cherry juice once in the morning, once in the evening, over around a two-week period. Okay. And it has helped with sleep with those who struggle with insomnia. So although there needs to be a lot more research on larger uh, uh, groups of people before you can confirm, right, this is definitely going to be used as a sleep aid, I think it's quite a cool functional food. So it's obviously yeah. a food which has melatonin in, which could be thought of as, as something which is worth a try and it isn't harmful. Right. And then there's more research around kiwi fruit as well. There's been research where um, a group of people have had uh, two kiwi fruit a night every day for four weeks, so for a month, and that's improved sleep. Right. And they're not sure, the researchers aren't sure why this is. It could be because kiwi fruit is very high in serotonin. Okay. Serotonin is the precursor to melatonin. Or it could be something to do with certain antioxidants or the fact that it's rich in folate. But again, again, it's not like a magic pill for sleep, but it's just right. interesting research of things yeah. you can do from a nutritional aspect. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that I've not heard of before, but it is fascinating, some of the, the studies that are coming out um, and, you know, the understanding how, you know, the foods that are already available to us could, could help in, in that regard. Absolutely. And I guess just the very last one would be vitamin D. You know, a lot of people in the UK are actually deficient in vitamin D without even realising. And the government guidelines are to to take supplements from October to April throughout winter. So to take 10 micrograms. So everyone over the age of four should consider taking a supplement throughout the winter period. Okay. Vitamin D comes from the sun and throughout winter, there's just not sufficient sunlight to manufacture vitamin D within our body. And there has been um, associations and research around vitamin D deficiencies and insomnia and difficulties with sleep. And they think it's because there's certain vitamin D receptors found within the brain that are thought to regulate sleep, but they're not quite sure about the mechanism. But I guess just from that research, the most important thing is make sure you're not deficient in vitamin D and do consider supplementing throughout the winter. 
Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice, actually. I mean, I, I didn't actually realise it went down as low as, you know, people that are four years old. I, you know, I, I do supplement with a vitamin D spray. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't. That's uh, that's a new one on me. So that's fantastic. So um, how can um, people connect with you, Lily? I've got uh, obviously you're on Lily underscore Salter underscore nutrition on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. And then again, Lily Suter Nutrition on Facebook, and then just Lily Suter on Twitter. And then obviously, my website's www.lilysuternutrition.com. And I do a lot of newsletters uh, on a weekly basis about lots of different topics around health and well being. But also, obviously, I do a lot of workplace wellness sessions and all the information is there on the website um, with with more information about those sessions. That's perfect. I highly recommend the listeners signing up to your newsletter because it's very good, very informative. Um, and there's a lot of great stuff on your website, particularly around um, the wellness in the workplace as well. So I highly recommend uh, the guys going over there and having um a look at that so thanks very much for your time today Lily I really appreciate your time and um, you've given us some some great insights and some great information so thank you again and I will look forward to contacting you again soon thanks very much thanks for listening to the fitter healthier dad podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please hit subscribe and I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes all the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.